we're going to come to God's word, and I trust that, uh, that you'll hear what the Lord has for you. Um, you know, last week was, was neat, that uh, time of dedication. You know, after every, um, after every well done uh, is a let's go and a what if and a praise God. That was, that was about mission last week. That's what that was about, about, about our going forward. And um, th- this title this morning is back in our generosity series. And it's this title that our mission is going to require for us, from us, a dangerous generosity of heart. I'm going to get there in a minute. But this mission requires a dangerous generosity of heart. I want to read this morning's text before I sort of tie that all together. I'm going to do a sort of a long intro and a short sermon or uh, something like that and, um, and get after some things that God has put on my heart for us. Uh, friends, this is the word of the Lord, and, and it'll be on the screen if you have your uh, Bibles. You maybe want to turn with me to Luke chapter 4. This could have been almost any passage, this passage of the generosity of Jesus toward people and toward their needs. Luke chapter 4. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had suffered, who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. And he, he wasn't ready for that to be as public at that stage in his ministry. He wanted to, to, to teach them and show them the kind of Messiah he was going to be before that craziness broke out. That's why he told those demons to be quiet. Verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. Of course, look at what he had been doing. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, don't miss this. Jesus said, I got to go, because this thing I'm doing here, I'm proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. I have to do that to the other towns as well. That's why I was sent for this message to go out far and wide. What message? Do you see it in there? The good news of the kingdom of God. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And then as it relates to our mission, friends, look at this text, the related text from Philippians chapter 2, where the Paul says to the Philippian church, sort of in this sum, you almost can read the last verse first, verse 5, in, in your relationships with one another now, and you, this is how you should act. You should have the same mindset as Christ. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not only to your own interests or to your own needs, but also to the interests of other people. Each of you look to the interests of others, to their needs. This is a description of living out what Jesus had done in his ministry, as we read. Uh, May God bless you. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this... Let's go and what if and praise God, this, was, this is about our mission. We said at the end of every well done, the, the, the building isn't our mission, the building campaign wasn't our mission, raising the money wasn't our mission. That was a man, well done, we, look at it's going, we're off and running. But the conversation then was about the mission, which is a, at that end of every well done is a, let's go now, let's go where God's taken us. And, and 
And what if God wanted to do this? Or what if this could happen? Do you think this could maybe happen? And praise God, which is that God's at the center of it all. And our gratefulness to Jesus, the giver of the gift, is the core of everything that we do. This is about mission, this conversation that we had last week. And our mission, friends, is about being Jesus people. Now this is, I'm just, I'm trying to tie some stuff together and launch this actually into the next few months as we continue our, gener- our generosity series. And then I'm going to have a little sermon at the end on this text that we looked at. But I, w- I want you to know this is what we're talking about here in January in the de- building dedication, in, now back in our building and up and running, that, that this is about mission and our mission is about being Jesus people. What does that mean? It's about being like Jesus. It's about Jesus' work. It's about being vessels of Jesus' presence. I'm going to say those things again because I think those are good. Our mission is about being Jesus' people. That's being like Jesus, acting like him, ministering like him, like the text we talked about. It's about, being G- about Jesus' work. Like, like we don't do our own work. We don't have our own agenda. We have Jesus' agenda here. And it's about being vessels of Jesus' presence. So it isn't really our work that happens. It's just sort of our presence then becomes Jesus' presence everywhere we go and what we do and what we touch. You with me on this? I mean, this is the, 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 our mission is about being Jesus' people. And I want to put up our mission statement again because I want you to see it. Uh, if you're not sick of this yet, then, then you need to learn to be. No, I mean, you need to know it uh, even more. Marin Covenant Church exists to engage with the spiritually hungry. Stop. That, that, just that, that phrase bit. I mean, what we're about is engagement with people that are hungry for God. We believe, actually, that everyone in the world is spiritually hungry. They may not even know it. And they may be trying to feed or satisfy that spiritual hunger in many, many, many different kinds of ways. But we say, since God has put that in the heart of every person, then we're going to go engage with them in that process. And don't you love the word engage? We're not going to confront the spiritually hungry with how stupid they are, right? We're not going to stuff the spiritually hungry, whether they like it or not, with our stuff. We're, we're, we're going to engage with them in their process because God has gone way ahead of us. He's put in the heart of every man and every woman a longing for truth and the deepest and most real, real reality. And we know that's Jesus. But people are on the hunt, and we're going to come alongside and let God do his thing, and we're going to engage with them in that process. You with me on this? Isn't that a great mission? That would be a good mission statement, even if that's what it was. We exist to engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ. Toward a life in Christ. Did you need to read this part with me? Because some of you need to memorize this mission statement. Ready? Let's do it together. Marin Covenant Church exists to engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ. Now, we're engaging with them toward Jesus. Friends, if you've ever wondered, if you're not sure what we're about, if you come and you're like, man, I'm hearing a lot of really great stuff. I'm not sure where the core of the deal is. We preach Jesus. (laughs) Art, amen. That's right. (laughs) Art's like, in case it wasn't clear, here's the deal. That's what the cross is about out front. You drive down the road and on the freeway, you see the cross. Now, we believe that Jesus is the good news of salvation for all people who would come to a knowledge of him. We believe in Jesus. We believe that God said it's not super complex. I'm not trying to be narrow. I'm trying to be simple. You're broken and you're lost without me. Here's forgiveness and a relationship with me. And it comes through Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. That's what we preach. So we're going to engage with the spiritually hungry toward the fact that life will be found in them connecting with Jesus. Okay? That's our mission statement so far. Engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ. And then we added a few uh, uh, 
descriptive words. Uh, that is, that, toward a life in Christ, that is, is that what I'm messing it? Inspired is the first one. That's heart stuff. That's Holy Spirit. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's spirit-filled. So our life in Christ is heart. It's intelligent, which is head. And it's involved, which is hands. And we picked those words not because they were all cutesy and all started with I. Did they all start with I? Yeah. But because all three are, are necessary for a life with Christ. Holy Spirit, heart-inspired, good, solid thinking, orthodox theology, Bible, thinking it through, makes sense, questions answered, and hands, which is involved and dirty and messy and engaged, okay? Heart, head, and hands. And we could have a little motto. Our mission statement's so good that we often don't use our motto, but the motto is a church for your heart, your head, and your hands. Okay, we're going to read it one more time, then we're going to move on together. Marin Covenant Church exists to engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ that is inspired, intelligent, and involved. So, our mission statement is about being Jesus people. And for our purposes with this sermon series, friends, it's about being generous with our heart, our head, and our hands. This sermon series of dangerous generosity, well, I want to say, as we start looking forward into our mission, as we kind of turn the corner in January and post-dedication and up and running with this new building, we're going to sort of aim this generosity sermon series toward being generous with our heart and generous with our head and generous with our hands, an intellectual generosity after a, a heart generosity and then a, an involved generosity, a generosity of our hands. And so this is sort of, you're going to hear this language and you'll see it as we, so this is sort of this big... Uh, intro to where we're going. These, this is where generosity will be focused. But I'm going to turn our attention then this week and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this generosity of heart. And that's t- t- what today's text is about. Showing Jesus's heart of generosity toward people's truest needs. Let me say that again. Generosity of heart, if we're going to be generous in our mission, if we're going to be generous in this, have a heart, uh, uh, a generosity of heart, then we're going to be people who are, have the same heart of Jesus. Remember, we're Jesus people. We're going to have the same heart of Jesus, wanting to do the same work of Jesus to meeting people's needs. Because that's what Jesus' heart is about, is meeting people's truest needs. And our call to be Jesus' people will about be doing the same thing. So go back to the, the title of my sermon. It's that this mission will require a generosity of heart, a heart for people like Jesus has a heart for people. Our generosity of heart is having a heart for people like Jesus has a heart for people. And when you look at texts like the one we read today, and we could have picked a ton of them, when you look at the text in, in Luke chapter 4 about Jesus going out, coming into Simon's house, finding his mother-in-law was sick. They said, can you heal her? Or can you, can you help her? And Jesus healed her, and she was raised up. And then people came, brought sick, and he healed them. And people with demons were set free from the bondage that they were in. You could read tons of different passages like this about Jesus. It's just it's what Jesus' heart was for people. And I kind of parse it, and I go, you know what this is about? This is about Jesus meeting people's deepest needs. That's what our generosity of heart will be about. It's meeting people's needs the way Jesus would meet people's needs. And so I want to ask in the remainder of our time together a couple of questions. And one of them has to be, we have to ask this, well, what, are peop- what do people really need? See, generation of heart is about meeting their needs. Well, what do people need? A couple things come to mind for me here. One, they need compassion. 
People need compassion. People need compassion. This is what Jesus offered. When you see Jesus healing sick people, when you see Jesus responding to brokenhearted fathers whose daughters were sick, or women who had uh, uh, medical issues that they had suffered with for a dozen years, when you see Jesus finding people bringing their friends and laying on a mat and digging through holes in the ceiling, when you see Jesus encountering people, one of the things that he was offering in all of this healing and all of this ministry was just a compassion. It was a heart that said, I see you and I know your pain and I feel it and this is not how it should be. You mean, friends, you look at the, it's in this text, it says when people brought, uh, people, what does it say, at sunset, because it was after the Sabbath, people started bringing to Jesus all the various kinds of, uh, who had all kinds of sickness, and he laid his hands on each one and he healed them. I mean, he was healing everybody that day. At the end of the text, they came the next day and said, you're not going anywhere, right? We've got plenty more sick people. And he's like, no, I've got to go do some stuff elsewhere as well. So he, he, I mean, the needs would have been endless. But what he was demonstrating was compassion. He was demonstrating that he cared about their, their pain, that he cared about the circumstances they were in. And when we start thinking we're supposed to be Jesus people, what's our mission going to look like? Friends, it just has to look at least like we get that people's hearts are broken and we're with them in it. That we're people of compassion. We're heart to heart. We've shared this, that pastorally we often get seen as sort of spiritual giants or maybe even almost life giants. Like, well, you guys have, like when people have problems go wrong with their life, they show up in Art's office and think that Art's going to be an expert in marriage and Art's going to be an expert in finances and Art's going to be an expert in life and Art's going to be an expert in, in, you know, well, Art's not an expert in any of that stuff, but he is an expert of knowing how much he needs Jesus. And he's also an expert in his big heart for you. So you come to Art and you got marriage problems, Art's going to be like, yeah, I think your marriage is actually better than mine right now, but... Here's my heart. I'm with you in this. That sucks. Can you say sucks on Sunday morning? I'm sorry. <laughs> People need compassion. And that's one of the things you see in Jesus in this text, in many texts like it. People need restoration is another word I would use. People need restoration. Restoration. Think about that word. Restoration bringing something back to what it was originally intended to be. Come on now, does that not preach to your heart? This is why Jesus brought healing. This is why when Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry in particular, everywhere he went, he brought physical healing to people because it was a picture for them of restoration. Again, he's saying, this is not, this is not how it should be. You were created for glory and one day you will be fully healed. And he would bring this picture of healing so that people could see, oh, the Savior of the world is coming to restore everything as it should be. And Jesus' people get to do the ministry of restoration. Jesus' people, and think about what restoration is. It's, it's healing. It's forgiveness. It's renewal. It's reminding of truth. And that's the ministry that we get to do as Jesus' people. I mean, you can't think of a better illustration than what Jesus did, which was to take somebody who was sick and restore their body miraculously and instantaneously and organically from a place of sickness to a place of health. Boom, there you go. Look at that. How do you like that? And they were like, that was awesome. And he said, that's kingdom. 
That's the good news. Remember what he said? He goes, I got to go. I got to go because what do I got to do? I have to preach the good news of the kingdom. I have to preach the good news. They're like, guys, like, this is super good news. This is super good news that this isn't my reality, my brokenness and my dysfunction and my sickness. That's not the reality. That's as it should not be. What should be is the lordship, the kingdom, the presence of the king, the lordship of the king, the protection of the king, the life that the king can offer. That's what good news is. And he healed people so that they would go, oh, not only is it cool that I'm well, but what you're saying I totally now get. Friends, we get to have that ministry in people's lives. We get to be people who who can bring the presence of Jesus in healing and in reminder and in refreshment. And we can bring all that stuff. We can bring physical healing to people. Do you pray for people's physical healing? It would be the same kind of reminder if Jesus brought physical healing to them. In fact, it's in the text. They went to the home of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering with a high fever. And so then what does it say? It says they asked Jesus to help her. Can you get your head around that ministry? That's not that hard. You're being Jesus' people in the world. You're being Jesus' people with one another. What you're doing is your hearts are connecting in compassion and in restoration, meaning when you talk to somebody and you realize and agree with them, that's not as it should be. That breaks my heart then like the text says, you can ask Jesus to help her. Isn't that beautiful? I want to pray for you. I want to ask Jesus to help you. Maybe Jesus wants to enter into this situation. Maybe Jesus wants to do a healing right now. That's what we get to do. People need compassion. They need restoration. And the last word that I thought of in looking at this text is then they need identity. They need a true identity. They need, a, they need to know who they really are. See, this is kingdom stuff because he's preaching the what? The good news of the kingdom. And the identity there is that they're children and that they belong of the king and that they belong to the king. And this is their real identity. And you know, this is what Jesus is preaching because in the text it says that they brought all these people to him who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each one he healed them. This is that restoration piece. Moreover, verse 41, demons came out of many people. He was bringing about by his presence a reminder that they do not belong to the evil one, but they belong to the king. See, I think wherever we bring the presence of Jesus, demons flee. When we bring the presence of Jesus and we bring compassion and restoration and a reminder of their identity, you're a child of the king, then the demons don't have a way to say, no, you belong here. This is your identity. It's brokenness and it's shame and it's a mess and and all the labels. You're the alcoholic. You're the perfectionist. You're the whatever. Those things flee. And the stronghold that the devil gets people in, where we just go along believing, well, this is who I am and this is what my life's going to be about, the, the, the chains come undone. This is about our mission. And our mission is being Jesus people. And being Jesus people is being about the things of Jesus. And we just see in this passage, one of many passages, that what Jesus brings and then what we bring is compassion and restoration and true identity. This is what we bring. I could preach on all of these for months, each one of these. But that's what we get to do 
And that's what people, generosity of heart is about meeting their needs. And these are the kinds of needs that people truly have. Now, this is our mission then. This is, this is really it. But I've got to tell you, this is about the, the good news for me is this is about the easiest thing possible. And spoiler alert, in a minute I'm going to tell you, I think it's about the hardest thing possible. But before you get there, you have to say it's also the easiest thing possible. If this is our ministry, then it's really the, and why would I say that, that it's the easiest thing possible? Because it isn't really about being that smart. It isn't about that great a strategy. When we're like, where are we going with our vision? I'll tell you where we're going. We're going to all get in line behind Jesus. We're all going to get filled with the spirit of Jesus. And then we're going to go out there and be compassionate and restore things and remind people of their true identity. Man, and so we go, well, what's the program? Well, I don't know. What program is Jesus leading you to be a part of today? We had all kind of program. You got a new program in mind? Good. You're in charge. That's the program. That's what we're going to do. We're going to open our eyes and we're going to open our ears so that we spiritually are in tune with where the kingdom of God is breaking out and what Jesus wants to do. We want people to be able to see and hear kingdomly. That's why it's the easiest thing in the world. You don't even, you just, you don't have to have a strategy. You just follow Jesus and he's going to lead you places. I, I can't tell you the number of stories I even heard just this week as he, God was preparing me for this particular sermon of people who kept stumbling on opportunities to bring compassion and restoration and identity to people. And there's a woman in our church that's been in our church for 30-something years, and she was telling me this. She had three experiences this week of where she encountered somebody. One was at a doctor's office because her husband was at, at the doctor's office, and she was sitting there in the waiting room and saw a woman looking a little visibly upset. So she went over to the woman and said, are you okay? And the woman said, no. Now, that's all against... What's the, you know, the, 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 that's against all of our social rules. It's certainly against all of the health privacy laws. <laughs> you don't ask somebody in a waiting room if they're okay. And the woman said, no, I've just been diagnosed with, and then began to tell her story and cry. And this dear woman in our church put her arm around her and listened to her for an hour. And when her husband came out of his doctor's appointment and saw that Jesus was at work, he grabbed a magazine, sat across the room. Like, where do you got to be more important than that? They just opened their eyes to the things that were happening, and she said, I'm so sorry, there's no way I should be taking an hour of your time. And our dear sister said, of course you should. You needed it. Prayed for her. That same woman ran into somebody at Starbucks who saw their head in their hands and couldn't walk by with the Spirit of Jesus in her and said, are you okay? Can I pray for you? And that person, when she said, are you okay, that person looked up to her and said, I am now. Implication, I've been so alone. It's so easy. It's the easiest thing in the world. We open our eyes and open our ears to think and hear and to, to, to uh, see kingdomly. You know why else it's easy? The other reason why this is super easy is because you don't even have to have results. You don't need to bring results. You bring Jesus. And Jesus brings results. Again, we don't have anything to offer people. We don't have a, we're not experts in life. That's really clear. And by the way, that is one of the lies of the enemy why people like us don't live the Jesus life, where we don't live bringing compassion and restoration and identity because we look at our own lives and we go, <laughs> seriously? What do I? Hey, be like me. No, no, that's not a good idea. That's not our ministry. Our ministry isn't just to bring how the wonderful me to the world. 
Our ministry is to bring the presence of Jesus. And at the presence of Jesus in this text, those guys said, hey, Simon's mother-in-law is sick. Will you help her, Jesus? you help somebody, please? And then they brought sick people to Jesus, and he healed them all. And they brought other people who had demons in them. They didn't even know there were demons in them, but they just started flying out of people because in the presence of Jesus, the bondage of the enemy and the lies of the enemy didn't have any more power. Every time you bring the presence of Jesus, this ministry happens. This is the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to do anything. You show up and you bring Jesus. That's our mission. Generosity of heart is about meeting needs just like Jesus did. It's the easiest thing in the world. But I have to tell you as I finish up this sermon that it's also the hardest thing in the world. This kind of generosity is dangerous because it's so costly. And you're going to hear that phrase as we go through the next sermons we have, generosity of heart or intellectual generosity or generosity of hands. You're going to hear this idea that it's going to cost us something, friends. Generosity is not generosity unless... It costs you something. That's why it's so dangerous. This isn't just a feel-good series. We're not spending months on this deal because we think it's such a nice word and it's so sweet. Dangerous generosity is dangerous because of what it costs. And so to be Jesus people and meet them at their place of deepest need will be costly. A Jesus people heart for others is costly because it'll be so heavy. That's one thing. It's going to be heavy. We protect ourselves, friends. Sometimes we think that we can't bear any more reality. We can't bear any more weight. Our own wounds and our own grief are so overwhelming and our own anxiety is so much that we can't even imagine, we, can, we can't even begin to bear somebody else's pain or needs. A Jesus people heart, it's going to be heavy. And I think we avoid that. Part of the reason we avoid it is that we think we're bringing us to their problem, to their life, to their brokenness, to their sin, to their need. We think we're bringing us to them. And so that feels heavy. We think we're going to have to carry it. We forget that we're bringing Jesus to it. So we don't even go there. But when you, even then, even in the best, when you know you're bringing Jesus, when you start engaging with people in their brokenness and their need for healing and their spiritual bondage, all these things that Jesus encountered, it's going to feel heavy. It's going to cost you something. Your heart is going to break. And there's something still embedded in us 55, 65 years past the golden age of the suburb in the 1950s and whatever. There's something in us that we still think that it's sort of about our happiness and our comfort and that's what life's about. And so when you start entering into other people's pain and dysfunction and messiness and burdens and you start carrying it, the heaviness feels like, I shouldn't have to do this. I want my life to be tidy and all together. And it never will be and it was never designed to be that way. Not this side of the kingdom of heaven. Eventually the kingdom will come in its fullest and there will be no more tears and no more pain. And there won't even need to be a sun because Jesus will be the light that fills it all. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But for now, friends, we're at war. And for now, we're fighting the enemy. And we're going to carry people's pain and their burdens. My sense of it is, that if you're not weeping over the pain of people's lives that you're invested in, then you're not invested enough in being Jesus' people. The generosity of heart has not been extended to where if you haven't, if your heart isn't somewhat broken over the people that you're loving and living with, then you're not invested enough in them. 
And I know we want to avoid that. Who wants to live like that? But I'm telling you what, that's what we're supposed to live for now. And if you want an easier job, if you want an easier task, stay a little further away from Jesus. And I, and, and I, and I, and I think I'm going to be bold enough to tell you, I don't know that you should be hanging around us. And I don't, I don't, and I don't mean that to be silly. We're going to go further. We're going to go further. Let's go. What if, praise God, we're going to go further into people's pain and brokenness and spiritual bondage, and we're going to go rescue some people with the presence of Jesus. A Jesus people heart, brothers, is heavy. I think it's also really costly because we're not going to be able to be this busy anymore. That person who was telling me, that woman in our church that was telling me about these encounters she was having, it's all because she made a decision that she's going to put margins in her life. Because this is what she said, when I was running from one thing to the next, I wasn't available to hear the Holy Spirit say, look at that over there, see that person's needs, go love that person for Jesus. She said, I couldn't respond to the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And she said, when I don't have enough time to be able to say yes to the Holy Spirit, then I am living in sin. I'm disobedient. And so she made a decision that she was going to build margins into her life so that her day truly would be Jesus' day. That what she had to offer that day was the freedom when the Holy Spirit said, go over here and love somebody or call that friend or spend a two-hour lunch instead of a 45-minute power lunch with that person or whatever it took, that she was going to be available to do it. Busyness, friends, is the epitome of our agendas. It's, it's the epitome of our uh, blown out of proportion need to be significant. I so long for the day when people go, I, I know, I'm sorry, I apologize, I know you're really busy. I so long for the day with consistency where I can say, I'm not busy. I've organized my life in a way that I can respond to how the Holy Spirit calls me right now. That's going to be hard, and that's going to be costly. That means we may have to give up all kinds of things we really, really enjoy. Because we just can't do it all. I could go down the list of all the hobbies I want to have and all the things I want to do. And I wouldn't because I'll offend you because I'll probably hit one that you're doing, you know. And I don't mean to, like, call you out on your deal. But when we become compulsive about busyness and filling the gaps because we don't want to feel the heavy heart for the world and we don't want to respond to Jesus or we don't even know what that's about, then we have become disobedient, unavailable to our Savior, our Lord. That's not what we're going to be about. It's costly because it's heavy and we can't be busy anymore and last. By definition, self-centeredness is not a viable lifestyle option. By definition, being Jesus people, that's what I mean. By definition of being Jesus people, it's not self-centered. It's Jesus-centered. It's lordship of Jesus-centered. And when I say self-centeredness, we just all squirm. It's kind of an ugly word, and it feels a little condemning because we all know that we're all consumed with ourselves. I mean, every day starts with, how do I feel? Is it really time to get up? I don't like it. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm shaving my face. I'm looking at my closet. I'm thinking about my needs. I don't like my commute. You know, it's, we're all living in, okay, that's not what I mean by self-centeredness. What I'm saying is then we live our entire lives, I mean every moment we've been given, 
every job that God provides us for, every task in our day, every breath that we take, every friendship that we have, every encounter we run into, every circumstance that comes our way is given to us to serve Jesus Christ our Lord. Not I have all these things in my life, the things I like, the things I have to do, the job, the responsibilities or whatever, and then I have this sweet little religious thing on the side. That, friends, is self-centered. And to be Jesus' people, caring about people's deepest needs the way Jesus would, their needs of, of compassion and restoration and identity, we have to be Jesus' focused. Do we get up, do you get up every day knowing that that day, this side of heaven, is a day called for sold out 100% commitment to following and being obedient to Jesus Christ, your Savior? That, That is a dramatic statement. That is so religious, that statement I just said. But it is what we believe to be the core truth of our, of our universe. And when I say it, I know we all think, yeah, my life is, it's, it's way less intense about Jesus than that. And I'm here to tell you and to call you, friends, that the let's go and the what if and the praise God, the, this, this church of head, heart, and hands, this generosity of heart to start with, this generosity of heart is going to be costly because that's what it's going to ask us to be about. And so now as the band comes up, oh, you guys, I'm going I'm to ask you to stand because we're going to respond in worship for the, the remainder of time we have in our worship gathering. Stand with me. And why worship? Why would we respond in worship? Because worship, my friends, is the praise God portion. It's the portion that reorients us and refocuses us. It's why we gather on Sundays. Because it's this opportunity to be reminded of the salvation that God has called us to. This epic story that God is writing. These fundamental truths that He is our God. That He is our Lord. And that today and tomorrow and this week is about serving Him. This is about our epic mission and we're reminded of all those things. So we stand in Jesus' presence, repentant, needing our own restoration need in our own reminders, and we worship in response to this unbelievable call to be Jesus' people meeting needs in this world, people's greatest needs the way Jesus would. Let's respond to the Lord in worship.